Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now for your host, Dan Mater. Welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. And we are bringing you the last preview episode of Week 8, where we'll be talking about the 4 o'clock games, the Sunday night, and the Monday night game in this episode. Of course, we'll have a mailbag segment for you from the fans at the end, so you're not going to want to miss a thing, so make sure you listen all the way through, as we're going to have a lot of great information for you to make sure you guys are fully prepared for your matchups heading into Week 8. And of course, we went through the latest news segment yesterday with all the stuff that was going on, and we're going to have more injury news updates, and keep in mind that we're going to have injury updates throughout the weekend on my Twitter feed at MDSFFshow, so make sure you are following along. Of course, you can always contact me on Facebook and through the email on the website as well at MDFFshow for Facebook and www.mdffshow.com. Send me a direct email through there too. Make sure you're checking that out for the latest rankings for the week eight matchups so you guys know exactly who you need to play. We're going to go ahead, we're going to hit that break, we're going to get right into the episodes, so we have quite a bit to get to, and start it off with our first 4 o'clock game preview of the day. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become the newest member of the Belly Up Sports Network. The Belly Up Sports Network is a rising star in the sports industry. After having emerged onto the scene in just a year, they have accrued a massive following with bold articles, standout podcasts, and great debate amongst followers in the forums. Sign up for their newsletter and get access to all of the information throughout the Belly Up Sports Network. Go to bellyupsports.com today to join. Be bold and stand out. To kick things off here, we're going to jump right into the game of the week, which is the Carolina Panthers and the San Francisco 49ers. And we right now, as far as we know, Cam Newton is not going to play in this one. It is still going to be Kyle Allen for at least one more week as they are still waiting for Cam Newton to get 100% healthy before he comes back and plays. So for fantasy purposes, what does that mean? Well, against the 49ers and a tough defense on the road, of course, you're going to play Christian McCaffrey. That goes without saying. But DJ Moore and Carter Samuel have to have their expectations lowered from what their ceiling could possibly be in this matchup against the San Francisco 49ers. DJ Moore always has a decent floor to go to. As he's a guy who's usually good for about six catches to 80 yards, give or take, depending on how Carolina has to come back in this game. And it very well may be a close game as far as score goes throughout this one. This is a tougher matchup for San Francisco than they have faced for most of the season. So I don't think these guys are going to be written off 
altogether. But those big plays are just not going to be there with the cover three zone that the San Francisco 49ers typically play. So that's why it makes DJ Moore more of a high-end wide receiver three this week, even in PPR leagues, where Curtis Samuel, I think, is somebody you need to go ahead and just leave on your benches. I wouldn't really trust him in this one. He's more of a guy who I want to take a shot on if he's in a position to be able to have a big play. And I don't think that's going to be there for him in this one, along with Greg Olson, who's really been hit or miss throughout the season anyway. But going up against San Francisco 49ers, I don't believe he's going to be able to have a great game for you in this one too. So I think there's other streaming options that you're going to be able to go to outside of Greg Olson for this game as well. Not really any big surprise there. The 49ers defense are not really ones that you want to try to take a part of if there are guys that are not your studs outside of Christian McCaffrey, for instance. If there are guys that are spot stars for you in most weeks, you're not really going to take your chances against this defense the way they have played thus far. But on the 49ers side of the ball, welcome in Emmanuel Sanders. This will be the first game that he will be able to play. I do expect him to come in this one. I do expect him to start, have a significant role, even in his first week there. And while he may not be completely immersed into the full capabilities of the playbook, I do believe they're going to make sure that he's in situations that he'll be able to get the ball with them lacking a true number one wide receiver. I think there's going to be an emphasis to get him the ball right away. He is a high-end wide receiver three for me, especially in PPR leagues. I do think he's going to see a fair amount of volume in this one. It would be safe to assume he could see somewhere between six to eight targets. And in this game against the Panthers, who don't have a defense that scares you necessarily, I do think he could have a decent high floor game for you in this one. I wouldn't trust Dante Pettis. We're going to have to see how the rotation at the receiver position shakes out outside of Emmanuel Sanders in this game. This will be our first look at it moving forward. We're not expecting Debo Samuel to play either in this one as he's still coming back from the groin injury. So Pettis should be the other starter on the outside. I do think they're going to knock Marquise Goodwin down here and be looking for reasons to do so. And this will help them do that. But outside of Emmanuel Sanders, outside of George Kittle, I don't know whether pass catchers the 49ers you can really trust. And of course, you're going to start George Kittle too. Tevin Coleman should have a decent game in this one. This is going to be a run first team. And that's why Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida, they're going to get their work in this one. I think Matt Breida is a very low-end flex play. I wouldn't start him if you have other options to go to, but if not, I think you could do worse than Matt Breida in your flex for this particular week. But Tevin Coleman, with the way he has played so far in the system after coming back from his injury, should be able to give you RB2-type production against the Carolina Panthers, who are not a run defense who have been able to stifle anyone. They're not terrible. They're about middle of the pack, which means you should have room to run in this game too. Jimmy Garoppolo, obviously, still not in a situation. Maybe Emmanuel Sanders will help him out, but he's still not in a situation where he has become a streaming quarterback, mostly because the 49ers have been such a run-first team. I don't expect them to take that big leap now. All of a sudden, they have Emmanuel Sanders be throw-heavy. So, Jimmy Garoppolo, until there's a better matchup on the way, maybe against the Cardinals next week, I don't know when he's exactly going to be streaming worthy at any point this season as he's more of a low-end QB2. Next game up we're going to talk about is the Denver Broncos and the Indianapolis Colts. They're going to have to run the ball. This isn't a bad matchup against the Colts for running the ball, too, if you are going to commit to it, which we know the Denver Broncos are going to. Philip Lindsay, I think he is somebody who is a 
more of a high-end RB3 at this point. He just hasn't been getting enough consistent work to be able to be that RB2 that you really wanted him to be, but he has shown that capability, has shown that flashes, has shown his playmaking abilities. So I do think in this game where they're going to lean on it, they're going to commit to it, I think it'll be a competitive game because the Denver defense is playing much better as of late. I do think Philip Lindsay is going to be able to give you high-end RB3 production where you can play him at RB2 if you have to, but would more like him to be a higher-end flex if at all possible. Now, with Cortland Sutton, this goes you know right away the opposite direction with the Emmanuel Sanders trade. With Emmanuel Sanders now gone, Cortland Sutton steps in. He should have a high volume. He could easily become a wide receiver, too, from here on out if he's going to see the consistent volume uptick that he may be able to see with no Emmanuel Sanders. Deshaun Hamilton's going to take over as the opposite side wide receiver. But Sutton's actually been pretty solid from a week-to-week basis, even with Sanders there, as he's been able to come into full fruition with his development so far this season. It's been pretty impressive. Even with poor play out of Joe Flacco, he still has been able to get targets. So that's why I do believe here that Cortland Sutton going forward could wind up being a higher-end wide receiver too. This isn't a matchup that scares you. Again, the Colts are about a middle-of-the-pack type of defense. So with him being having a possibility of getting 8-10 to 10 targets in this one, it wouldn't surprise me if he even gets more. I think Cortland Sutton is somebody who's gonna you're going to be able to play and have a high floor in this matchup, and he's always has the capability of being able to score a touchdown. So I like actually like Cortland Sutton quite a bit in this one. I think a lot of people, what they're asking is, can we play Royce Freeman? And I think in PPR leagues, yes. Look, it's been really surprising, but he has been involved in the passing game. Why? Because he's been involved as a pass blocker. They've needed help along that offensive line. They're giving Joe Flacco no time. And because he's a better blocker, because he's a bigger body than Philip Lindsay, he's been worked in and has been getting about four to five targets almost every single week, making him PPR relevant. He is somebody who's a much lower end flex play, obviously, but if you have no other choice, your injuries, bye weeks, maybe this week with Dallas uh, on bye, you have no Ezekiel Elliott, guys like that, nature, Baltimore, no Mark Ingram, you might be able to play Royce Freeman and get away with it in the flex and give you a decent floor with some serviceability. More of the fantasy players in this game, of course, are going to be on the cold side of the ball, though. I mean, Jacoby Brissett, I don't love the matchup here. He's more, been a guy who's been more of a streamer for me. I want to only want to play him in matchups that I feel comfortable with. This isn't one of those. The Denver Broncos have played much better defense as of late. They do have Chris Harris who's going to be matched up to on T.Y. Hilton. So if Zach Pascal is not able to get his separation and is able to make his mark on this game, I don't know how many options Jacoby Brissett's going to have to go to that are going to be open consistently throughout. So while he may still give you a decent floor, maybe a guy who can get you 15 to 16 points, that's not something I'm looking for when I'm streaming. So do you think you're going to have better options like Matthew Stafford this week, uh, Ryan Tannehill? I think these are all guys that you could play with more upside capabilities in their given matchups than the Jacoby Brissett this particular week. Same thing kind of goes with Marlon Mack. Look, Marlon Mack's been a little bit disappointing as of late, but he is still getting the carries. 18 to 20 carries still about every single game. This is another one where the Colts should win, should be up for most of it. So it's not like Marlon Mack's going to be out of the game flow. But the Broncos, as of late, under Vic Vangio, have been playing much better run defense, and I do expect that to continue against the Colts in this one. Now, he's always a threat to be able to score a touchdown if they get within the side the five-yard line, and if T.Y. Hilton's really having trouble getting open on Chris Harris in this one, they may have to lean on Marlon Mack. So that's what we have to wait to see exactly what happens here, but 
What we can know is that Mac will at least get the volume. So he's going to give you a safe floor. He's somebody who's definitely beating your lineups, but limit your expectations. I don't know if we're going to see too many more of those games moving forward. The Colts have a tougher schedule here moving forward, but Marlon Mack is still going to be an RB2 for me just based on the volume. I know I talked about Chris Harris and T.Y. Hilton and what problems that may present for them, but there's no way you can bench T.Y. Hilton, obviously. You're going to play him in this game. He's a high-end wide receiver, too. He's been pretty phenomenal this year so far with Jacoby Brissett, which has been a bit surprising. And he's been a guy who's been consistently getting into the red zone. So I do believe here with T.Y. Hilton, you're going to be able to play him, get your decent floor out of him. He can always make a big play. And because they move him all around, there's a chance that he's not always going to be followed by Chris Harris. He might get him some better matchups throughout the game. So T.Y. Hilton's still not somebody I'm going to be afraid of. But who I would stay away from is Eric Ebron. He's somebody who's strictly a streaming tight end to me right now. He has had trouble catching the ball on a consistent basis. And on top of that, against the Denver Broncos, it's not a, t- it's not a matchup where tight ends generally are able to go off or able to make their mark on the game, especially if they're not the top-end tight end types. So I think with the Colts right now, I would stay away from Eric Ebron. I play T.Y. Hilton. I play Marlon Mack. But I pretty much leave everyone else alone. Zach Paschal, who I do think has emerged as the second wide receiver for this team, this is not a match in which I think the Colts are going to throw the ball a ton like they were against Houston last week where they came into a bit of a shootout. I don't think that volume is going to really be there for Pascal to make his mark, so I would leave him on your benches as well as he will have a pretty low floor in this matchup. Next game to talk about is the Browns and the Patriots. And look, you're in a tough situation if you have Browns players. You have Nick Chubb, you have Odell Beckham. Uh, well, Nick Chubb's been great, and you're going to have to start him because you're not going to have a better option than Nick Chubb. That That is unequivocally without a doubt. But you have to lower your expectations. I don't know how much success the Cleveland Browns offense is going to have against this Patriot defense, which has been absolutely unreal throughout the season. And because of the woes that the Browns have had on the offensive line, this suits up as another matchup the Patriots are going to be able to take advantage of and be wreaking havoc in the backfield on a consistent basis. So I don't think you can sit there and really play Nick Chubb with a I mean, you can play Nick Chubb, but don't play him with this idea that you're going to be able to get the RB1 production that you've been able to get out of him. He has a high floor because of the volume that he gets, but you're going to have to make other expectations. Maybe you play more of a home run threat somewhere else in your lineup to try to make up the difference, but that's the situation you are going to be in. And Odell Beckham, he is somebody who I would consider benching. It's hard to say. Beckham is a great talent, and even against Stephon Gilmore, who's been unreal this season... It's not that he can't beat him, but I'm really worried that Baker Mayfield is going to have a Sam Darnold-esque game that we saw last week where I don't know if his quarterback is going to be able to get the ball to him consistently enough throughout this game for him to make a big enough mark. I think there's actually going to be a lot of options better than Odell Beckham this week. I mean, he might be my top bust wide receiver of the week. He hasn't been a wide receiver one all season long for you keep waiting for that breakout, but it's not going to happen here against New England Patriots, not with the way they've been playing, not with the way Baker Mayfield has been playing, probably even more importantly for Odell Beckham's sake. So you may not have a better option in Odell Beckham, but you had to go away with him because of his buy that he had last week. Maybe whatever options that you used a week ago to make that happen you go with it again here over one one more week going up against the Patriots. I don't know how you could feel comfortable playing him. On the Patriots side of the ball, 
you play Sony Michelle. He's an RB2. He has a chance at any given point to just fall into the end zone like he did a week ago. Offensive line is still banked up. Isaiah Wynn's still not going to be back, so his efficiency is still going to be down. I mean, he's still probably only going to get about three yards of carry. But the Browns are a team that you have been able to run the football on, so if he is going to find some success, it could be this game, especially if Rex Burkhead is going to miss another week. That's really been a big key because since Rex Burkhead has been missing, yes, they've been working Brandon Bolden in kind of annoyingly here and there, but it's opened up the door for Sonny Michelle to get a couple extra targets that he wasn't getting previously, getting some extra work. It's been more him and James White with him sprinkling in Brandon Bolden. Hopefully Rex Burkhead, if you're a Sonny Michelle owner, is going to miss one more week here because as long as that stays the case, he does have volume. But on the plus side, it's another game where I expected to go Pro game flow for Sony Michelle. I expect him to get the 18 carries a game that he's been getting so far this season. So he's going to get the work. It's going to be a matter of does he get the touchdowns. It's always a question mark when it comes to the Patriots. They could easily quarterback sneak it. They could give the Bolden. Who knows? But you still have to play Michelle moving forward. He's still getting the work. He's still getting enough looks on a per game basis. And he's been playing much better for fantasy purposes over the past three weeks. You ride the hot hand in what is a plus matchup on paper for him as an RB2. For the wide receivers now, they got a Mohamed Sanu. He's in the game. I don't know how, a, how much of an impact he's going to have. He actually might help out Sonny Michelle because he's a pretty good blocking tight end in his own right. And I do think they're going to kind of use him in that sense as a glorified tight end in some instances, especially when trying to get the ball running to the outside a little bit more. I think we could see that. But as far as catching the ball, as far as fantasy purposes go, I'm not trusting Muhammad Sanu at all. I need to see exactly what their plan is for him, how they're going to use him, where does he mix in with the other wide receivers right now for the New England Patriots before you can play him with any confidence. Because remember, he's coming into a situation where he's going to have to be predominantly, I would imagine, as the outside wide receiver, other than when I think they might hybrid him sometimes here and there and use him a glorified receiver, but you're still going to want Julian Edelman in the slot. That's still where his comfortability is. That's still where him and Tom Brady are able to go to work, be on the same page, run their option routes out of. So I don't see a role in which Muhammad Sanu is going to have a good fantasy day or even a high floor fantasy day. This is one you're going to have to wait a week and see what you got in Sanu moving forward. Edelman is Edelman. You're going to play him as a wide receiver too. He has a very high floor, especially in PPR leagues. I expect him to get the work being where he plays predominantly in slot. He's not going to see Denzel Ward. He's not going to see Greedy Williams, who both expect to be back this week. So you don't have to worry about the corner matchups there in this one. I think Edelman is just somebody you keep playing as a high floor type of play like you have been all season long. The guy that you're going to ask yourselves about is Philip Dorsett. And because Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams are both going to be back and Philip Dorsett's going to be the man on the outside with no Josh Gordon and Nikhil Harry not being back yet, I don't think Philip Dorsett's going to do a damn thing this week. There's no possible way. It's a bad matchup no matter what side of the field he lines up on. And because they may be rotating their pieces around, I think he could wind up drawing the Denzel Ward matchup more times than not in this one. So I don't expect anything out of Philip Dorsett. He's somebody you have to go ahead and just leave on your benches. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back on the other side. we got a couple more games to get to before the mailbag segment. 
The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become a new member of Overtime Heroics. Overtime Heroics is a fantastic sports media platform for sports fans all around the world to come and participate in their extensive forums. And now with the merger of the Land Sports Network, the website will soon have great content available from extremely well-written articles to entertaining and informative podcasts from all sports for you to enjoy. All you have to do is register for free at OvertimeHeroics.com to participate. Again, that's OvertimeHeroics.com. Rolling along here, we got the Sunday night game between the Green Bay Packers and the Kansas City Chiefs. Of course, all eyes right now are on whether or not Patrick Mahomes can make the miraculous comeback and be able to actually play on Sunday. Now, I'm not counting on that being the case, but he has been able to practice limited two times in a row. Now, this episode is coming out to you early Friday morning, so that way you guys have it right away. We'll have to keep your eyes peeled on the injury report, peeled on my Twitter feed, at MDSFFshow for the player news update notifications throughout the weekend, and we'll have to see exactly what he's able to do in practice Friday. If he's able to practice in a limited capacity again on Friday, I would not rule it out. Now, here's the problem that you're going to have, of course, is that it's a Sunday night game. So unless you pick up Matt Moore and are comfortable playing Matt Moore, if Patrick Mahomes does not play as your streamer quarterback of the week, you're not really going to be in a situation where you're going to be able to take the chance on Mahomes playing. The only other caveat I would give you is that there's a decent chance that Mason Rudolph would be available on your waiver wires as a streamer option. I don't think he would be a bad option against the Miami Dolphins if you really wanted to hold out hope that Patrick Mahomes could play and you didn't have the ability to go get Matt Moore. Most leagues, though, Matt Moore is going to be available to you. So I would go ahead. I'd pick up Matt Moore. I would take the chance on Patrick Mahomes maybe finding a way to play because we're probably not going to know until that Sunday. Maybe Maybe if you're lucky, you'll be able to find out that morning exactly what's going on with Patrick Mahomes. So maybe you'll get some inkling earlier on in the day, but there's a chance if he's a game time decision, you're not going to know until that night. Make sure you have other options available to you in case he doesn't go. I would say it'd be a miracle if he does, and I would make other plans accordingly. But if he's able to practice a third day in a row at a limited capacity, it would be hard pressed to say that for sure he can't go. Now, what fantasy-wise, what's that going to mean for everyone else? Well, Sean McCoy, I do think he's going to get some extra work in this game. This is a good match against Green Bay. You can run on them, especially if their offensive line is going to be a little healthier, and it's supposed to be. I think the Chiefs, Andy Reid, knows that if Matt Moore especially plays, even if Patrick Mahomes plays, they're going to have to run the ball more. You're not going to be able to go four wide with Patrick Mahomes, who's not mobile right now, even if he does play. He's not going to be able to extend plays. It's going to be out of his hands quickly. You're going to have to be able to run the football and run it out of shotgun. That means it's not going to be necessarily Darrell Williams either. LaShawn McCoy, I think, is going to have to be leaned on a bit more in this game. And I think it would be good for the offense if they actually got back to running the football in general anyway. But look for LaShawn McCoy to have a little bit more of a volume this week, especially in the carry department. I, I expect him to get 15 to 16 carries. If he does that, he's definitely a flex play possibly even a low-end RB2 with this being a good match against the Green Bay Packers. But he's definitely somebody you're going to be able to plug in and play in your lineups this week. Damian Williams, can't trust him. Can't trust him. He's not involved enough. 
He's been he's been showing why he's such an inefficient runner so far this season when he has gotten the ball. And in the passing game, because McCoy is getting mixed in the passing game as well, because Darrell Williams has been getting mixed in the passing game as well, he doesn't have all that volume either. So he's not even a great option in PPR leagues because that hasn't even been consistent. Now, this is a game in which a lot of points could get put up by the Green Bay Packers like what they did against Oakland, even if they don't have Devontae Adams. If it turns into a shootout situation, that may bode well. But I don't know necessarily that it does this week. If Mahomes was playing, I would say this would definitely be a shootout game. But if he doesn't, I think it's not time to take a chance on Damian Williams. And I don't know if he ever gets back to the point where he's actually fantasy relevant, even in PPR leagues on a week-to-week basis. I don't. Not as long as Michelle McCoy is healthy and playing there. He's just not getting enough work, period. Tyreek Hill, you still play him. I should give you some confidence that Matt Moore was able to hit him in stride against the Denver Broncos. Look, Matt Moore is a decent, competent backup quarterback who can be aggressive and throws a nice ball. Nice enough to keep Tyreek Hill fantasy relevant and keep him in a situation where he can still be one play away from being a wide receiver one. So you still play Tyreek Hill with no trepidations. You play Travis Kelsey, obviously. Tight end situation being as terrible as it is, he's still going to be a top five guy. If anything, I do think Matt Moore being the quarterback will look to go to Hill and Travis Kelsey more and lean on those guys to help move those chains. They're not going to be going to those secondary guys, the Harmon, the Robinsons. Sammy Watkins is supposed to be back this week, but even he is somebody who I don't think is going to steal a lot of targets. I think Matt Moore is going to be focusing in on Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, and I would leave Sammy Watkins on your bench this week too. I know he's back. It would have been nice if Mahomes was back because then I do think Watkins would have had flex appeal, and maybe if Mahomes plays, Watkins will boost back up into that flex appeal come Sunday morning. But we're not going to know that probably ahead of time, most likely. You'll leave Watkins on your bench for now. You could play Hill, you play Kelsey, and I do think you could play O'Shawn McCoy. On the Packers side of the ball, I'm starting Aaron Rodgers this week. Yes, part, it's because he had a big game against Oakland a week ago, but the other part of that is their offensive line's been blocking a hell of a lot better, and even with Devon, without Devontae Adams, they've been running a more aggressive style of offense, a offense that has a little more up-tempo to it, with Rodgers having finally the green card, I don't know why it took this long, but finally having the green card to go ahead and take the offense and run his offense when he does go up-tempo in certain spurts of the game. seems to be the give and take that they're doing right now. Matt LaFleur runs his offense, and then every so often, he gives Rodgers the green light to go ahead and run an up-tempo version of that at any point during the game to try to make a spark and get the Packer offense rolling. I expect it to happen in this one. Chiefs defense is terrible. Just as bad, if not worse, than that Oakland Raider defense right now. I don't see any reason why any Aaron Rodgers can't finish as a QB1 this week. Aaron Jones, you play him. Period. He's an RB2 for you. Yes, the touches that Jamal Williams is stealing away from have been annoying. But in this match against the Chiefs, he's an RB2 in any scoring format. Jamal Williams is a flex play. He's being involved in the passing game. He's, what, two weeks in a row now? Three weeks in a row now? He's gotten a receiving touchdown. As long as he continues to get worked in in the passing game, he's a guy who can be a flex for you, especially in PPR leagues right now. But he's not going away, and he's carved out a significant role for himself. It's a plus matchup. It's not going to be pretty because he's going to lose a lot. Obviously, Aaron Jones is going to be doing most of the work. He's going to play more. But Jamal Williams is somebody that if you're stuck in a situation where you need a flex player, he could probably do it for you, especially this week in this matchup. Now, 
right now it looks like Devontae Adams isn't going to play. He didn't practice Wednesday. He didn't practice Thursday. He came out and made some comments and made it sound like he didn't think he was really that close to playing yet. So it doesn't look like he's going to play, which means Drama Allison, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, they will be good to go in this one. Alan Lazard will be the third receiver. As far as fantasy goes, it's hard to trust either one of these guys. There have been so many games that Devontae Adams hasn't played this year with these two being the top guys and both of them walking away as fantasy disappointments. But in this matchup against Kansas City Chiefs, with Aaron Rodgers being a guy that I think you can play and it's going to make plays happen, I think Scantling is somebody that you can take a shot on. He's a flyer. He's a home run threat for you this week. We know he's always one big play away. And this is a matchup in which if you're looking for that boost... We need to take a home run shot somewhere to get a little extra firepower in order to compete in your matchups. He's somebody who I'm willing to do it as your wide receiver three, as your flex player. But he's more of a wide receiver four. I'm just talking about in your starting lineups. He's somebody I'm willing to take that shot on. Drama Allison, I'm staying away from. I would thought, especially since Devontae Adams has been out, that Drama Allison would be the safety blanket, would be the guy that Rodgers goes to. And he has had a few more targets than Marquez Valdez-Scantling, but it really hasn't amounted much. And unless he gets a touchdown, he's pretty much not fantasy relevant. And I'm not really going to lean on that. It, there's a decent chance he's able to get a touchdown in this one. But there has to be a lot of other options for you to be able to go to that you can trust way more with way higher floors than Geronimo Allison this week. Jimmy Graham, there's going to be a lot of questions asked about him. Look, it kind of falls in the same thing with Drama Allison. Last week, people just weren't covering Jimmy Graham, and that's why he was getting open. That's why he was making catches. He had by far his best game of the year last week. They're not going to put up 42 points, I think, in this game. I don't think it's going to be quite that high scoring of a game. I don't think it's going to be quite that aggressive. He may just by default get worked in the red zone, be somebody that Rodgers extends the play and goes to, is able to get open in the middle of the field. But he's another one kind of like Allison where I don't know how you trust him. He's had so many games where he'll produce and then completely disappear the following week. I don't know how you trust Jimmy Graham. There are not many options at the tight end position though. And if you have to take a shot in the dark at the tight end position, which a lot of teams are in the position where they have to do that, he is somebody who I'll take that shot in the dark with. But just make sure you know that he's going to have a very low floor heading into this game. Next up to talk about, we have the Monday night matchup, which is going to be an absolute snooze fest between the Miami Dolphins and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Look, Steelers should dominate this game, but it's not even just that it's going to be a snooze fest because it's Miami involved on Monday night football. The Pittsburgh Steelers aren't going to be a team that goes in there and looks to rock their doors and be all explosive offensively either. They're going to look to ball control. James Conner should have a great game in this one. As long as he's able to stay healthy for all four quarters, which actually has been an issue for the past few games. Now, maybe coming off the bye week, he is off the injury report. He's a little more healthier to go, so maybe he'll be able to get through this one. But it's something to keep an eye on. He should get all the volume, though. Mason Rudolph coming in. I think it's going to be checked down Palooza. The Miami Dolphins haven't been terrible against wide receivers. Xavier Howard won't be terrible against Juju Smith-Schuster, although I'm definitely not afraid of it either. But I do think with no Jalen Samuels and Benny Snell, who's only okay as a running back, Connor has a very good chance to have, be heavily involved, not just in the rushing game, but in the passing game as well. So he's going to be an RB1 for me this week. And that should pretty much go without saying, especially against the Dolphins. Juju Smith-Schuster, you got to play him. If you're not going to play him against the Dolphins, you're not going to play him against anybody. And yes, there's going to be matchups where you're going to probably feel like you need to bench him because he just hasn't been very good this year without Big Ben Roethlisberger. But 
This game against Miami Dolphins, I do expect Mason Rudolph to try to hit him a few times, get him involved. You're going to have to start Schuster this week because you're just not going to have a better option. Deontay Johnson. Now that Mason Rudolph's back, Deontay Johnson was somebody who had shown a rapport with him and had been playing pretty well and became fantasy relevant. I'm not going to play him this week. Yes, it's against the Dolphins. I got to see it. I got to see Mason Rudolph, his first game back, coming off that bad concussion off of the bye week. I have to see that Deontay Johnson is going to get back involved. This is one of the reasons why I'm saying you got to play Juju Smith-Schuster because one of the things that you have to think that the Pittsburgh Steelers were able to work on in their bye week was getting Mason Rudolph and Juju Smith-Schuster more so on the same page because they need Schuster for that offense to really work the way that it possibly can. Not Deontay Johnson. So I do believe that's what they had an emphasis on the bye week. I think you're going to see an emphasis getting shoots to the ball, especially in a matchup where you can get him the ball more. And that's why I think Deontay Johnson needs to be left on your benches. Or if you drop them over the bye week, leave him on the waiver wire. He's not somebody you need to run out and grab. Vance McDonald is a streaming tight end for me this week. Him and Mason Rudolph definitely have a rapport. He's back this week. Miami Dolphins are definitely a defense that can be taken advantage of from the tight end position. I do think if you're looking at streamer options, we talked about Jimmy Graham being a shot in the dark. Vance McDonald's out there. Definitely play Vance McDonald over a guy like Jimmy Graham. Yes, he's not the tight end you're gonna you're not gonna feel you know 100% confident about, but he is somebody who should be able to give you a serviceable game at the very least, and does have the opportunity to get into the end zone. But that pretty much wraps it up for the Pittsburgh Steelers for the fantasy matchups. That wraps it up. For week eight, we're going to take a quick break. Come back on the other side. We have the mailbag segment before we close down the episode. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is now partnered with the Unwrapped Sports Network. Unwrapped Sports Network has a top-notch sports blog covering all sports all the time with a team of talented writers. You can also visit their podcast page to listen to this show and several others covering multiple sports. Sign up for their newsletter and never miss a thing at UnwrappedSports.com. Again, that's UnwrappedSports.com. It's mailbag time, everybody. My favorite part of the episode, my chance to shout out the fans from MD Nation who have trusted me to use as a tool to help them create the best fantasy lineups possible to help them win their matchups, because that is what it is all about. That is what we are here for, which is why I love going into the mailbag segment, and especially for our last episode before week eight kicks off, well, fully underway as we had the Thursday night game last night, we'll talk about later later on but for the mailbag segment to close down this episode we have great questions from you the fans starting off with we have Nathan here from the email he asked Corey Davis or DK Metcalf doesn't say whether it's going to be a standard or a half point or a full point PPR league but I don't think it really matters in this situation because they're kind of similar receivers in those regards so, Nathan, what I'm going to tell you here is go DK Metcalf. I think against Atlanta, they're going to give a big play. Metcalf is going to get one of those big plays. Yes, Corey Davis looks like he should have a decent floor against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes, Ryan Tannehill makes that offense look a lot better. But how much can you really trust Ryan Tannehill? Now, it's a great matchup here, but I think it's just as likely A.J. Brown could have a good game as Corey Davis. We're in DK Metcalf situation, we know what the ideal split between him and Tyler Lockett is. 
And with Metcalf being on the outside, with there being no Desmond Trufant, I believe DK Metcalf is in line here to have a great game and to be able to get open deep for not just one, but two bombs quite possibly in this matchup. So I would actually play DK Metcalf. He has a much higher ceiling. I think he has a similar floor to Corey Davis for this week. Next up, we have Mike from Twitter. He asks, Golden Tate or Kenny Stills in a full-point PPR league? This is interesting. These are two guys that have sleeper type of value. But being that this is a PPR league, I'm going to have to go with Golden Tate. He's going to have the higher floor. The Giants are going to have to come back from behind against the Detroit Lions. Darius Slay is not expected to play, so you're not going to have to see the number one corner. And Sterling Shepard's not expected to play. So you're going to get the extra volume there for Golden Tate. And as long as that continues to be true, he's going to have a healthy floor in his midst with Sterling Shepard coming back on the men. There'll be extra targets for him, extra targets for Evan Ingram. So I do believe that Golden Tate right now is a high-end wide receiver three, especially in PPR leagues, who has just as much of a ceiling as the Kenny Stills does this particular week, who I do like as well against the Oakland Raiders. But because it's a PPR format and the floor is so high because of the volume that's vacated by Sterling Shepard being out, I do believe you have to go Golden Tate in this one. Ashley from Facebook, she asked me, Ty Johnson or Cortland Sutton in a full-point PPR league? This is a tough one. This is a tough one because now with no Emmanuel Sanders in a game in which the Broncos, I believe, are going to have to come back from behind, Cortland Sutton is in line for a hefty workload, I believe. And in a PPR league, he's going to have points to be had. But I think it has to be Ty Johnson. After watching Chase Edmonds do what he did, after watching the Giants defense almost borderline quit out there, not want to tackle a soul, I don't know how you don't play Ty Johnson against the New York Giants and take advantage of the new waiver wire asset that you just picked up this week. So I do think if you're looking for flex, you're looking for full point PPR, generally speaking, I like going running backs anyway because they're going to get more volume. Just by, just by the nature of the position. And because Ty Johnson also catches the ball, and I talked about this in my podcast yesterday, make sure you go ahead and check that out. Because him and J.D. McKissick, while they'll form a committee, it's not going to be Ty Johnson on the ground and J.D. McKissick through the air. It's going to be a give and take. It's going to be a 60-40 split. And a 60-40 split against the New York Giants, he's not going to go off the way Edmonds did because he's just not going to get that kind of workload. But he should be in line for a really good game, and I think he has a much higher chance to score than Cortland Sutton does. So for me, it's going to have to be Ty Johnson. That's actually going to close down the episode. Fridays are usually a shorter one, not as many games to go through. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. I will be back next week. I am again away a little bit this weekend, so it's going to go back to that schedule that had been a couple weeks ago where there will be a full recap and waiver wire report available to you guys on Tuesday morning. We're going to talk about the show then. So we'll be back on Tuesday. Make sure you're following me along on Twitter at MDSFFshow or on Facebook at MDFFshow or checking out my website www.mdffshow.com. Make sure you're checking out any one of my networks. Remember, I'll be on the Belly Up Sports uh, Belly Up Fantasy account on Twitter at 9 a.m. answering any and all of your Star Sick questions for the week. Make sure you're checking out Unwrapped Sports, which I'll be doing sportscaster videos for probably one later on today and maybe possibly Sunday morning for the injury report. And then, of course, go ahead, check me out again on uh, Overtime Heroics. You can check out the sports forums from that network, too. I hope you guys all enjoyed the show. Good luck on your matchups this week, and I will talk to you guys on Tuesday.
Thank you for listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 